So, this morning, question for you. What is a Christian, and how does a Christian know that they are a Christian? And how many people in the world even call themselves Christians? In uh, 2010, the last sort of major census taken of world religions, uh, it was uh, noted that there are two, almost 2.2 billion Christians in the world, worldwide, people who call themselves Christians. Interestingly, that number tripled from uh, the last or from the century before that, 1910. So in the course of a century, from 1910 to 2010, the number of Christians in the world tripled. That's sort of amazing. In fact, you might be surprised by that statistic because for us living in our culture and in this country, all we see is Christianity in, in, in decline, major decline, actually. In fact, uh, every year there are more and more people who... Uh, uh, declare themselves uh, nuns or non they, they claim no religious affiliation. Okay? So, um, each year, but Christianity is still growing worldwide, interestingly. In fact, growing at a rather dramatic rate. We just don't see it in, in Western culture, but it is growing significantly. In fact, every year there are um, 65 million new Christians by birth and conversion and migration. And there are also 27, less Christ, 27 million less Christians every year by death, um, apostasy or rejecting the faith or migration. So if you're doing the math, there's a net gain every year of about 38 million more Christians each year. Now, if you think about that, just put that in perspective, that is almost 40 times the size of the city of Detroit. That many more Christians in the world every year. It's growing at a significant rate. Um, but again, not, we don't see that because, you know, in our culture and so forth, it's, it, it appears to be declining. But most of the growth is happening in, uh, in, in Latin America, in Africa, and in Asia, and mostly in the southern hemisphere. And so if you're aware of church history at all, that means that there is, there is a significant shift happening in the center of Christianity from the northern hemisphere, from the west traditionally, historically, it is shifting to the southern hemisphere. So Christianity is going to look very different. But it is growing. It's growing significantly. So 2.2, roughly 2.2 billion people in the world claim to be Christians. That's nearly a third of humanity. Nearly a third of the population of the world and uh, even, though the, even though it's growing, it's not growing quite at the same rate as the general population, but growing significantly. And uh, that means about one out of every three people in the world calls himself a Christian. So back to the question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? We asked that question last week. We're going to ask it again this morning. Only this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to one another this morning and talk about that question. And my apologies to those of you who are introverts. I feel your pain. But I get to be directing this. So, um, And the second, and another question that I would like you to talk about in your little cluster is um, how, and this is the, really the more important question today. Last week we focused on what is a Christian. Um, today, even more so, how does a Christian know that they're a Christian? So go ahead and turn to a few people around you and have a conversation around these two questions. 
I'm, I'm curious what, uh, what, was, uh, what was said in your group. So how do you know, how do you know what a Christian is and a follower, a, follower um, a disciple? I mean, what definitions, what ideas did you hear or did you come up with in your groups? Go ahead and share. Anybody wants to share what, what was shared? In particular, how... Let's just ask the first question. What, what is a Christian? Anybody want to... Go ahead. Somebody who worships God. I like that definition. Thank you. Anyone else want to give a shot? What is a Christian? Is that, that, that'll, that, that'll be it then, okay? Somebody who worships God. A follower of Jesus. That gets a little more specific. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, so the second question, how does a Christian know that they're a Christian? Asher? When they take action through Christ, that's a good definition, okay? That's good. Anybody else? How does a Christian know that they're a Christian? Choir, you're awfully silent now. <laughs> Anyone else? Sherry? Because Jesus loves you. You know that. Thank you, Sherry. Yes, very good. That's a good one. Marty. When you place your, okay, placing your trust in Jesus for life here and life thereafter. Thank you. Uh, a feeling, a personal connection. There's something, something happens in here that you know, right? Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I didn't hear um, all the things that I wanted to hear, but I heard some good things, and um, at the risk of repeating anything, there are, of course, some who will insist that um, you can know if that you, you are a Christian based on certain outward criteria. In other words, um, uh, they might say Christians are people who believe certain things. Maybe it's a creed or a statement of faith or, or certain doctrines that, that Christians are people who believe. So it's about what you believe. There are others who would say, oh, it's about the way that you live, your conduct, your behavior, a code of a code of, uh, uh, yeah, a code of ethics, if you will. And Christianity does have the highest ethic, if you will, the law of love. Um, but people would say it's about how you live your life. And then there are others who would say that, it's, um, that Christians are those who are baptized, who attend church, who pray and read the Bible. <clears throat> These are all good. And they describe what, Christian, what a Christian is or does. But they are no guarantee that one is indeed a Christian. They may, point, they may point to faith, they may indicate faith, they may foster faith, but it doesn't necessarily, necessarily guarantee that you are indeed uh, a Christian or give you absolute assurance. There's no test, per se, no medical exam, no inventory or questionnaire that can be considered definitive, but it is possible to have assurance, to have some affirmation or confirmation that your faith is valid, that your status as a believer is secure, your identity as a Christian certain. When Jesus, when Jesus loved people or invited them to follow him or offered them hope and healing or welcomed them to his table, there was no checklist. There were times when Jesus was sharply uh, critical of most of the religiously devout people of his day. You've heard me share this before. 
He, at one point, a very scathing assessment, said that they were whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He sometimes rebuked his own disciples for their lack of faith. And then there were people on the outside, Gentiles, sinners, Samaritans, lepers, and tax collectors, who were shockingly, at times, commended for their faith. Do you remember the publican, the publican in the temple who beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then there was a Pharisee who stood off at a distance in the temple, and he looked up to heaven and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like that fellow. And you remember what Jesus said? Who went home justified? Who went home right with God that day? It was the so-called sinner. Jesus told the Pharisees, the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. And yet he also told his followers, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is a believer, a Christian, and how does a believer know that they're a true believer? How does a Christian know that they're a Christian? I would argue that you can know with a kind of, with a kind of certainty that is not incompatible with humility. There are several scriptures that we could look at this morning that offer assurance. I think of John, for example, who wrote, Greater love, uh, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Did you hear his assurance? That is what we are. We are the children of God, John says. And then in another place, John said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the Apostle Peter talks about an inheritance that is ours in Christ that can't be taken away. And that through faith we are shielded by God's power until the end. So yes, you can have an assurance that you are a Christian and that you belong to Christ, but it doesn't rest on you. It rests on God, His love, His promises, and the finished work of Christ. Let's look at the scripture printed in your bulletin this morning. I guess I should have put it on the screen, but it's, it's in your bulletin this morning. I didn't think to put it on the screen. Romans 8, 14 through 16. I'm going to invite you to look at it, and then we're going to read it aloud together. So please open your bulletin. It's on the le top left-hand corner. Let's read it out loud together. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Well, there's a number of things that we could point to in that, in that passage that... Um, that are important to, to reflect on, in particular in this message. Um, it says, talks about those who are being led by the Spirit, being adopted, even having a kind of relationship with the Father that we call him Abba, Papa. An intimate relationship. But I'll underscore that last line again, uh, repeat it again. For his Spirit joins with our Spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God's Spirit testifies with our Spirit that we are His. In other words, there is a, some, uh, there's a kind of an, an internal knowing 
that we can have an assurance that happens. And yes, it is founded in the Word of God. It is founded in the Word made flesh, Jesus, and in His finished work. It is based not on anything in us, but solely on what God has done in Christ. He is our salvation. Our identity is found in Him. But you can know. You can know experientially. If you want to call it a feeling, if you want to call it just some kind of an internal knowing, you can just know and have that assurance. And it's not a secondhand knowing. It's not about a pope or priest or pastor knowing for you or some expert or even because the Bible says so. You can know by the internal, the internal witness of God's Spirit. Yes, those other things are important as well. But you can know by God's Spirit joining with your spirit, affirming, confirming. The same Spirit who calls, gathers, and enlightens the whole Christian church on earth is the one who dwells in us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. He brings us to faith. He keeps us in faith. There are times when the Holy Spirit will convict you. There are times when He will bring you comfort. There are times when He will convince you that you are indeed a child of God. The internal witness of the Spirit is in our hearts. We know it. We know it experientially. There's a peace, a joy, a confidence, a hope, a freedom, a freedom even from fear that is the result of the indwelling Spirit of God. Being a Christian is to be in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. And Jesus came to make the Father known to us, to make God known to us. His desire was for us to be one with Him and one with the Father and one with each other. And God is absolute relatedness. Listen, God is absolute relatedness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they've been in relationship for all of eternity. God is absolute relatedness. And salvation is simply the readiness, the capacity, and the willingness to stay in relationship with God. We may be surprised by who is in heaven, and who is not. God has some who churches do not have, and the churches have some who God does not have. Did you understand what I said? God has some who the churches do not have, and the church has some that God does not have. You get it? Okay. John Wesley said, we should be rigorous in judging ourselves and gracious in judging others. I'm not going to make a judgment about who is a Christian and who is not. God is the judge. And besides, our judgments are almost always wrong. We barely know our own hearts. We barely know our own hearts, let alone someone else's. And all this talk of what it means to be a Christian or to know that one is a Christian when there are some here who probably are not yet Christians, which is okay. In fact, I assume and I would hope that always here at Zion on any given Sunday morning that there are people here who are not yet Christians. I would hope that. I would hope that Zion is a place that is safe, a, a place where people can belong before they maybe even believe. Let me speak to, to you who aren't yet convinced, who have perhaps more doubts and questions than faith and assurance. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this church. 
And maybe you're open to faith. Maybe you are sincerely seeking. And maybe you don't believe anything that you hear in this place. But you like us. And you like donuts. It's okay. We are glad that you are here. Okay? And you are always welcome. Others of you are new to this thing called faith, and you're still wondering, what did I sign up for? What have I committed my life to? And there are plenty of others here who will tell you how you should think and believe and live and vote because they are convinced that they are Christians, the right kind of Christian, a real Christian, because they believe the right way and they behave like real Christians behave, and they are good churchgoers, and they pray and they read their Bibles. And don't get me wrong, I think that God does want you to be sure and certain that you are a Christian, that you belong to Him, but not without a little humility. You may be a Christian even though you don't have it all right, because no one does, and that's okay, because it's not about you, it's about God. If it depended on me getting it all right, I might never know for sure if I have it right. And even if I thought that I had it all right, I might still be wrong. Maybe it would be easier. Maybe it just would be easier if there was some, you know, some questionnaire, some, some check boxes, questions to determine if I really was in or out, if I really was a Christian or not. I recently sought out a new doctor. Um, medical doctor. I'm on my fourth doctor since coming to Jamestown, and I've been here not even 10 years. It's not that I'm hard on doctors. It might be that Jamestown is hard on doctors, because they all leave, at least all of them that I've had. I have not had a physical in years. In fact, the last doctor that I had, every time I, the first two times that I saw her, it was an interview. And then the last time, she said, next time you come, we'll do a full physical. Well, the next time I came, she was gone. <laughs> I've had wonderful interviews with doctors. It wasn't me interviewing, it was she interviewing me, you know? So, so I found a doctor. I have an appointment coming up next month, but I was handed one of those packets. You know what I'm talking about, the packet that asks for all of your, your, your medical history, your, your health, your family history, your, your personal habits, all of those things. A bunch of criteria and boxes to check and, and lines, places to sign. The church has no official form to fill out, but that doesn't mean that we don't still have our boxes or checklist of criteria and expectations of what is a Christian. I've, I've been in the church for 60 years. All my college and seminary training prepared me to serve and lead in the church. I've been in full-time ministry for over 30 years. I can put together a form for you if you want. I can give you some boxes to check if that's what you need. But I think, I think that the words and the work of Jesus will get you much closer. If you actually listen to him, actually listen to Jesus, and strive to live as he did, it's going to get you a long ways there. In the end, I can think of only one determiner that Jesus himself gave us to determine whether we are indeed Christians, Christ followers, his disciples. One, it is this. Jesus said, 
all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, we might be inclined to add more items to the list, formally or informally, but it really comes down to the issue of love. And if you doubt me on this, read Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. Paul says, if I can speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I, can, if, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and I have all knowledge... If I give all that I possess to the poor, if I even surrender my body to the, to the flames like a, as a martyr, but have not love, I am nothing, I gain nothing, it accomplishes nothing. God is love. God made us in His image to be like Him, to love as He loves. And Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Jesus loved us to the fullest extent. He loved us to the fullest extent. And then he said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And on top of it, Jesus modeled and taught us to love the stranger, to love the marginalized, to love the unlovely, to love the lonely and the lost, to love the least, to love those who are different, and even to love those who we deem to be our enemies. In this way, we are like the Father, we are like Jesus. And if that weren't enough, we have been given the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, whose presence in us produces love, the love of God. So it's the supremacy of love. It's the defining mark of a Christian. It's the one thing, the one thing that we are to be known for. Are there other criteria? Yes. But they are secondary to the supremacy of love. This I find more convicting than anything else because loving Loving does not come easily or naturally. That's why more and more of us are signing up for courses like the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Relationships, and the Alpha Marriage Course. Because we want to be able to love better. We know that it is inextricably linked with our spirituality. Those who are mature in faith are the people who are able to love well who are wise, who know how to apply Scripture well and in loving ways. My response isn't to worry and fret about whether I am a true believer or not. I am trusting in Jesus, and I am striving to grow deeper in relationship to God through Him. And I ask the Holy Spirit to join with my spirit, not only to assure me that I belong to him, but to produce in me what matters most, love. The fact that I want this above all else, even though I haven't arrived, is evidence that I am alive to God and that his spirit is alive in me. And this I find most reassuring. Amen. I invite you to pray with me this morning.
I suspect that most all of you, if not all of you, want to know, want to have an assurance that you are God's. And I, can't, uh, I cannot underscore enough, it's not about you. It's about God's love for you. And you simply resting in that, trusting that, claiming that as your own. So would you pray with me? God, you are love, and all love comes from you. In love you made me. In love you redeemed me. In love you restore me to be like you. Forgive me all the ways that I have failed to love you with my whole being or to love others as myself. God, forgive me for not loving myself even as you have loved me. I trust in Jesus alone, his life and love, his death and resurrection. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit and let your spirit join mine and produce in me your own divine love and a blessed assurance of relationship with you. I pray it, Lord, we pray it through your Son, Jesus. Amen.